This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz with you. I'm back from vacation, batteries recharged, the countdown clock officially underway for Sean's upcoming vacation. I'm sure he hasn't paid any attention to that date in his calendar yet. Uh, But first, before we get underway with this episode, big shout out to Andrew Callahan, uh, formerly with Lines 24-7 in this podcast uh, for for reuniting with Sean on the last episode and filling up uh, the co-host seat with me gone. Did a great job as usual. It's been awesome to see him covering the Patriots these past couple of years. And also Bryce Mostella. That was one of the early enrollee interviews I've been looking forward to getting out uh, publicly for everyone to listen to. Hope you have a better sense of, of why we consider this kid uh, you know, one of the more unique characters in Penn State's locker room moving forward. So thanks to Bryce. We are not done with our early enrollee interview series. Still have some more to come your way here in the Lions 24-7 podcast. In the meantime, Sean, we are still working our way through the recruiting dead period here in February. We're still a few weeks away from the start of spring camp, but recruiting has a way of supplying us with content. So does the 24-7 sports recruiting team. And we have new rankings for the 2021 class. Uh, Big time update for the top 24-7 coming midway through this week. A lot of Penn State targets to go over. We're going to do that in a moment. And we'll also have Brian Doan, national recruiting analyst from 24-7 Sports and a frequent guest of the show on to break that down a bit more later. Yeah, I, well, I thought we were going to start with the chicken wing debate that's going on on our board right now. It's it's raging right now. I think we we've come to the consensus. What flats and blue cheese over over drums and ranch? Is that right? We're on. We have strong strong agreement on that. So uh, that, it's nice to know we're on the same page there. Yes. Uh, but uh, back to football. Uh, one one more point. Twenty four seven Sports added Bud Elliott to the uh, the fold last week. This is something you and I were talking about off air. Uh, we're both real big fans of Bud. I know a lot of Penn State fans are big on his. Uh, uh, on his blue chip ratio, which actually makes Penn State's roster look really good, stacking up against some of the the best uh, the best teams in the country. So we're happy to have Bud. We're gonna have Bud on the podcast at some point uh, once he gets his feet wet and situated. Twenty four seven Sports, but we're really happy to have him. Twenty four seven Sports rolled out our twenty twenty one rankings update this week. Uh, really, just uh, a lot of familiar names. Moving on up, uh, you know, there was, there was a couple guys that dropped, but uh, for the most part, these guys that Penn State had identified very early, you know, the Jordan Hancock down in Georgia, which is Penn State, one of Penn State's top defensive targets, uh, all of a sudden he's uh, in the top 50. Caleb Williams, who for, I, I think, at least a year I've been saying is the best quarterback in the country, now is rated as the best quarterback in the country. Trevion Henderson, who I've talked about way too much. And I mean, I I still think Penn State's got a lot of work to do in that recruitment. So if you're getting your hopes up, that's that's one thing. But if you're watching his tape, man, he's fantastic. He's number 11 in the country, maybe a little high for a running back on, you know, in my personal scale. But in terms of players, you're not going to find a better highlight tape. So started rolling them out this week. Uh, Excuse me, started rolling them out this week. And there's a bunch of changes for Penn State targets in the top 24-7. 
Henderson, to me, was, was the big headliner in terms of how things have shifted upon further review for our 24-7 sports recruiting staff. Again, junior year film is huge. It's huge on the recruiting trail. It's huge for evaluating players. Um, in terms of recruiting, you know, you look at that junior year film as kind of determining what that offer sheet and what those legitimate offers, committable offers, are going to look like carrying you forward. Of course, there's opportunities on the camp circuit upcoming this spring into the summer where players can go out and maybe show what they can do. But junior year film is huge, and, and they've had a chance to evaluate that, and that contributed towards Henderson going from number 226 overall to number 11, as you said. And, and, and this he, is and this is the first real update since the end of the junior year. We've seen some guys yeah. in some camp settings. We've seen some guys uh, you know, up close and personal. But this is really the junior film update. So when you're saying, oh, we just bumped a guy that you know just committed somewhere or something like that, this is, this is a work of a couple of months that has come together and finally get out in February because it's, you get all the guys together. It's kind of a slower time so you can you know, sit down in a room and really break these things down. And, and really one of the things that, that we saw this year – um, was the the offensive line region uh, is fantastic. We talked about it a hundred times on on the show. But Nolan Rucci's at number twelve. Wyatt Millam took a big bump to number twenty four. Tristan Lee, uh, an even bigger bump, I think, to number 25 overall. And then you see Landon Tengwall move down. And I think it's uh, it's really interesting because you take a look at the junior film and and you see a ton of upside in those first three guys. And Tengwall is still going to be, I think, a really, really good college offensive line prospect. Um, he moved down to number 77. Does not seem too happy about that uh, as a side note. Uh, but uh, it's it, it's one of those things where, you know, that. You, we're trying to, to to move to the NFL draft uh, sort of theory that uh, you're you know you're looking for left tackles, you're looking for the athletic guys. Tang Wall is a fan, phenomenal high school player. I think he's going to be a really good college player. I think he's going to be a guy like uh, maybe a Barrett Jones, who is a phenomenal prospect. He was a four star kid uh, going to Alabama, was a, a tremendous offensive lineman in college. Maybe just didn't have everything that you wanted in a pro prospect, and really hadn't you know slipped uh, slipped in the draft because of that. So. Tangwall is still number 77 in the country. That's, I mean, that's elite right there. Top 100, top, even top 24-7 is, is an elite player. But you look at the upside of, of guys like Millam and Lee, and it's just, uh, you know, it's just a little bit higher right there. So I think that's the the main thing we got. I was really impressed with uh, with the way our board handled the things because all of a sudden when, you, when you've got a guy like Tangwall who is seemingly still uh, trending to Penn State, uh, dropping the rankings like that, people get upset. And I understand that. But... Our board handled it pretty well. I think they understand what what you have is a very high floor player who still has a pretty high ceiling, just maybe not the ceiling of the other guys there. Yeah, Tang Wall is definitely the kind of personality who will keep that in his back pocket and, and with those rankings and, and moving ahead. And um, you know, certainly a player. And as you mentioned, Barton Simmons, Charles Power, when it, uh, Brian Doan, when it comes to you know signing day and when these rankings are finalized, they always make it a point at the top to reiterate. We are not basing these projections, these these prospect ratings off of the freshman you're going to get next year on campus. We're basing it off on the potential pro prospect that we envision five years down the line when you're getting paid to play football. So you know that that is certainly a shift in philosophy compared to what some people may view this recruiting industry as. And wow, I mean Tristan Lee uh, has gone from a guy last spring, you know, shortly after he got his Penn State offer, he was starting to get some mounting interest. Talked to him down at the Baltimore Under Armour camp. 
camp and you know it was all pretty new to him he was a kid who who was a basketball player you know learning how to play the offensive tackle position that often lends itself away from an athletic standpoint uh, into a good spot for you but to see him now all the way up at, in the top 25 that's a big jump for him um, going back to the backfield really quickly and by the way stories from Charles Power on Caleb Williams and Steve Wiltfong on Travion Henderson and why they are the top prospects at their position quarterback running back respectively both very much firmly on Penn State's target board those are up on lines 247.com I'd encourage you to read that for a little bit more in-depth look at both those players but elsewhere Evan Pryor is a top 100 prospect he's been on Penn State's radar for a very long time he was the first 2021 uh, running back to get an offer from the Nittany Lions way back at the uh, 2018 spring game I believe that was Uh, he is at number 97 he recently put Penn State on a narrowed down list of colleges additionally we've talked about what does the quarterback's uh, situation look like beyond Caleb Williams for Penn State? The two names we talked about uh, often behind him, Christian Veyu and Garrett Nussmeyer. Well, 24-7 sports uh, recruiting uh, experts have made their call on it as of now. Christian Veyu is going to remain in three-star territory, it looks like, moving forward here. And Garrett Nussmeyer makes his top 247 debut at number 196. I talked about this last time his name came up after I spoke with him in early February. A lot of interest right now. I believe LSU recently got a crystal ball pick. He still seems to be on track for an April commitment announcement. He's a kid who uh, I think his physical development has really stood out to to not just college programs, but also our team at 24-7 Sports. No doubt about it. Um, it. It looks very different than he did when we saw him at camp last year. Um, Veyu, I, I can still see him climbing. I, I talked to Doan about this a little bit off air as we want to see him throw the ball in person a little bit more. Um, you know, really, really good junior film. I think junior film that warranted him moving up to that four-star level. Um, but uh, we want to see him throw in person. I know, I know we've seen kind of seen him a bunch, but continue to see the physical development. Um, you know, going back to Nussmeyer, I, I don't see Penn State as much of a threat anymore in this one. I know you talked to him. Uh, he's got some other visits lined up, and it really just seems like since they made that coordinator change, Penn State's sort of gone away from him and come back to Veyu. Now, of course, Caleb Williams is always going to be at the top of the board for pretty much everybody, but you've got LSU in there. You've got Oklahoma surging in that one. Clemson's still there. A bunch of schools just uh, hanging around with Caleb Williams. Penn State's got to get him back on campus at some point. Obviously, can't do that right now because it's the, the February dead period. But, uh, you know, I, I do see those guys trending upward. Uh, Nussmeyer, like I said, I don't think he's coming to Penn State, but he's gotten better. He's gotten stronger, which is the thing, you know, he came last last year to camp and he's he's maybe a hair over six foot 185 190 pounds so there's not much to him he's added some uh some something to his frame he's got some good arm strength so i can see him moving up Veyu, i still think may have a higher ceiling than that yeah, and he was in, I believe, in the 150 pound range as a first year starter as a sophomore down in Texas. So he has, you know, added 30, 40 pounds to that frame, uh, added some inches to that height. And Garrett Nussmeyer now a different kind of prospect. I'm with you. I think uh, Penn State, uh, compared to maybe where they were at the end of 2019, don't see it. I think the new offers have been interesting. He's been on the road quite a bit. I don't think he'll get back to Penn State before he makes an announcement. And he's already told us the only official visit he's going to make is to the school he commits to. So certainly would think Veyu is the more realistic option at this point. Caleb Williams is at the top of your wish list. Now, none of the Penn State commitments, there's only three of them right now in 2020. And 
for about a few hours there on Sunday. There were two, but there are three again. Uh, none of them made the top 24-7 here, Sean, but a former Penn State commit who remains on the target board, Dante Thornton, wide receiver out of Baltimore. He's at number 55. Uh, there's a few wide receivers of note here on Penn State's board. Thornton, Jaleel Farouk, very high on him, a guy who can be exp- uh, a really impressive specimen out of the slot. Uh, they've talked to him about doing some K.J. Hamler type things, and he's bigger than K.J. Hamler certainly was coming out of high school. He's at number 159. And then an interesting one here, number 190, Christian Leary. He was offered earlier this week, a kid down in Florida. Again, I'm not going to count out Florida and J1 Cider for anyone, or Penn State and J1 Cider for anyone down there in Florida. Interesting wide receiver here, a four-star prospect who made a big jump in his own right. A speedy kid, now in the top 24-7 as well at number 190. So another name to know at wide receiver. Yeah, Leary ran a 10-8 last spring. Uh, he's got some some legit speed to him. Uh, we'll see where he's he stands in the spring. I mean, it's interesting to see uh, what what numbers are going to look like at receiver after taking five last year. But you've obviously got Thornton, you've got Jaleel Farouk, Caden Prather's a new four star in twenty four seven sports. You've got a, a bunch of options out there. You've got some guys that. Uh, uh, maybe outside of your typical recruiting, uh, t- uh, Braylon Brown in Florida is a guy that uh, we mentioned on the. I think I mentioned earlier this week said he wants to make a decision. I mean, I, I don't have him as high as some of those other guys in the region, but you know, Sider's been there, and, and you know, he's he's a pretty good player. So, be interesting to see where those numbers shake out because I think it's it's a little bit too early to 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 sort of pigeonhole yourself into taking two receivers, three receivers, something like that, especially with the talent that's still on board. And and really, if you look at the board as a whole, not a ton of guys off of that board already. You know, just the, the, the realistic targets, if you will. Uh, moving on to tight end, Penn State's got one in Nick Elksness. Of course, he visited Florida a couple of weeks ago, trying to hang on that one. Uh, I, I still think they're in, in pretty good spot. You know, f- he visited Florida, and then the day later, their tight ends coach left to be the head coach at Howard. So that's how the, you know he realized how these things change. Um, you know, they they seem to have gotten past that little storm, but it's going to be a fight to keep him. He's a long way away. Um, beyond that, Brock Bowers uh, out west in, in, in Napa in California, number 52 overall in the top 247. He's going to visit in March. He's a really, really good player. Remember when they offered him, uh, you know, took a look at him and like, wow, I mean, he's only 6'3", and I say only, you know, because, you know, you, you're typically bringing in guys for at least in the last couple of classes that are 6'5 to 6'7 uh, plus, but uh, only 6'3", but man, this kid can really play. And he can run, run uh, for a tight end. I love the name, by the way, Brock Bowers. That's a good tight end name. That that boosts him up in my book right away. But yeah, he's making that cross country trip. But it is one of many. Uh, it certainly seems like a, a tough one for Penn State to ultimately win cross country. Been a while, I believe. Koa Farmer is the last prospect they've signed out of California, so it has been some time. But a name to know there, a name who will be on campus. Um, looking at the defensive side of the football again, we'll get into uh, some of these conversations, topics, players more with national recruiting analyst Brian Doan. Here later in the episode, but defensively, we'll start at linebacker because Penn State's been on a roll there. Four or five star prospects signed uh, in the past three cycles, and, and now you look at a couple more who are in that territory. Terrence Lewis out of Florida, they're going to need to get him on campus. That, that's for sure. He's at number 16. He's the number one linebacker at, at his position now. And then number 20, a guy that has been to campus. We've seen him in camp action. I also saw him down in Maryland on, at a, on the camp circuit last year. Impressive in both occasions. Really, really showed up uh, in Happy Valley in front of the Penn State coaches. Damian Robinson at number 20 uh, out of Maryland. And this is a guy that we've talked about for a while. I I know some view him as a defensive end maybe in coaching staff uh, offices around the country. 
I think this kid can come in and play linebacker. I think he, he fits the mold a lot of maybe what you saw Micah Parsons uh, kind of from that physicality standpoint. I think he's pushing 230 pounds right now, probably in the six foot three range. But I, I like him to stay in an upright defensive position. Yeah, I think we've seen him at camp, so we you know probably have a better opinion or not a better. Well, we do have better opinions, but we probably have a stronger opinion about him playing linebacker because we've seen him do that in camp. He's really all over the place. I mean, he's a he's a terror off the edge. He is a lot like Micah, and that's going to be the sell right now. Is you know he sees himself as a player that you know can play linebacker, even though he's you know most are saying he's defensive end. So I think there's a, a lot to like there. I know he really likes Brent Pry. I know that Pry has been telling him, hey, Micah's going to be out of here after next year. We got to be able to uh, to fill the void, and you're the perfect guy to fill the void. So, I mean, I have him. I think at number three on the big board, the defensive big board that I did last week on Lions 24/7, um, just because he's a phenomenal prospect and he made a big, big jump in the top 24/7 uh, defensive line. Of course, we you know we talked about this uh, with the coaching change with Sean Spencer going to the Giants, John Scott Jr. coming in. You've got new offers that came that went out. We had uh, I think uh, a write up on six of them that went out last month or on Monday. Um, Keyshawn Silver was one of them. Keyshawn Silver was a three-star prospect at that point. All of a sudden, he's number 33 at the country. Must have been that Penn State offer that put him <laughs> over the top. I'm sure that's what did it. Um, beyond that, 118, Taiwan Malone, a guy they're very high on in New Jersey. Uh, number 129, Kevin Gilliam. Uh, Chris Chris Anderson from uh, our West Virginia site last week, he, he texted me, or excuse me, this week, went down and saw Gilliam at, at Highland Springs, and he said, hey, Penn State's still in there? I said, yeah. He's like, okay. He, he kind of gave me a shit-eating grin when, uh, when he mentioned Penn State. So that's usually a pretty good sign. So Gilliam was up in January for a junior day. I, I see him getting back on campus. I, you know, I like him as a defensive tackle. Of course, the the priority is at end, where you you know you've got another guy like Elijah Judy right there uh, out of Philadelphia at number one eighty two, and then Tyleek Williams defensive tackle two twenty two. So plenty of options there. It's going to take a little bit of time for for these prospects to get uh, around to John Scott Jr. I mean, he can't go out and see them right now, which is going to slow things up. But he's got to forge those relationships. Aaron Armitage, by the way, not in the uh, in the top two four seven, but a, still a four star prospect by twenty four seven sports. I still think he's the most realistic defensive end on the board. And, you know, he'll be back on campus at least one more time. Yeah, I jotted down a few of those guys who are outside the top 24-7, but they're confirmed four stars. Armitage, Caden uh, Prather, who you mentioned at wide receiver, safety Tysheem Johnson, another player out of Philadelphia, and then Jamari Budden, uh, Michigan linebacker who was recently in Happy Valley. Lightning round on the defensive backs here. No surprise to see Tony Grimes in the top 20. He's at number 17, the cornerback. Has been to campus uh, several times, most recently in February. He'll be back for an official visit in the fall. Uh, plans to commit on December 1st. We'll see if he sticks with that. Jordan Hancock, as you you mentioned Penn State, uh, you know, got in on that one, and he's Love up to number kid, forty-five. Yeah. yeah, and Derek Davis, he was the initial offer of any twenty twenty-one prospect. You're looking at probably two hundred and ten, two hundred and twenty offered prospects. Uh, not all of them can commit, of course, but in that twenty twenty-one class, Derek Davis was number one. He's at number sixty-five uh, out of Gateway High School in Western Pennsylvania, uh, safety position. Jalen Reed, another Michigan player who was recently on campus at two thirty-one, and then Stephen Ortiz, who has made the effort to get on campus. At out of Arizona at number 232, also at the cornerback position. He's a bit on the smaller side than some of the other cornerbacks we have discussed here. Um, I think there's probably some questions about that with his physicality, uh, but he is a kid who has put in the effort. He has been to a game, and, and we've mentioned this in the past, has a significant family presence in Pennsylvania as well. Yeah, I, I don't see Ortiz, uh, you know, being a guy that they they pursue very heavily. You mentioned that size, and that's tough to overcome. Uh, you know, it's it's one thing if he's in Pennsylvania or, or around that, but uh, that's it's tough to to make that determination. A guy that I see on here, Jalen Reed, 
Um, I think is a little low, to be honest with you. 231, I think is a really good player out in Michigan. I also think the Penn State's probably made themselves the team to beat you know, uh, with uh, with Jalen Reed. So that's uh, an interesting one because safety is is very important in this class. Defensive end and safety. Um, you know, we talk every year about which uh, which positions have moved to the forefront, and these two positions are really really important in this cycle. And you know, there's some there. You know, it's going to take some time for uh, for defensive end to come around with the new position coach, but safety. You got Derek Davis. You got Jalen Reed. You got a couple of other guys that are out there. Um, you know, outside the region as well. That's going to be two very important. Uh, I guess, uh, position slots for Penn State in this class. You have heard from Sean and I on the big rankings development at 24-7 Sports. We're going to bring in Brian Doan, who has a, a strong opinion in where these players end up uh, in these lists over the course of the cycle. So he'll weigh in on all that for more. Uh, and after that interview, we'll have you updated on some interesting new offers. Penn State, despite the dead period, they've been busy building out their target board. We'll talk about some takeaways there. But first, a quick word from our advertisers. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. We now go to a frequent guest, and he's our first guest today, only guest today, Brian. 24-7 sports and the last time we had you on as the second guest you criticized us but now you're back to the top billing thanks for coming on brian big week at 24-7 sports we've got the uh the new rankings that have come out but first of course as we mentioned in the first segment big threat on the board flats and dr- or flats or drums ranch or blue cheese i know you're a chicken wing expert what do you got well listen i'll go flats first of all just because they're easier and i'll go with blue cheese because if you have the right sauce on the on the wings themselves then you know there's a nice little combination especially with some of the sourness of the blue cheese but i really don't understand how parmesan garlic is not part of the discussion well parmesan garlic is more of a wing sauce than anything but we're getting away from the topic which of course is fried or baked 
Oh, fried. Okay, I mean, good. if you're gonna that, wait, that, wait, that wait, a, wait a minute, that was a test, by the right, way. If we're gonna have, if we're gonna have chicken wings, I want to make sure they're the most unhealthy variety possible. And so point. they better be fried like crazy and just saturated in a lot of stuff that's really bad for me. Well, that was a test. You passed it. Good work. You also passed along the top 24-7 rankings this weekend. I don't think everybody this... would say good work on that. <laughs> no, that's that's a good point. That's a good point. It's it's inter- interesting when you when you rank guys so early, people drop, and people are not happy about dropping. Um, but uh, first, we're going to talk about the guys rising. A um, couple of guys that, that I think we've been on for a while now um, at the top of Penn State's board, uh, Caleb Williams, Trevion Henderson, Nolan Rucci, all in the top 15. Um, you know, I think we've talked about these guys endlessly, and it, it's interesting that they're still uh, out there as recruits because they've been on the board for so long. But what do you see from these three that make them elite players in, in 24-7 sports eyes? Yeah, I mean, I, I think first of all, because we had a lot of discussions about uh, Trevion Henderson out of Virginia, running back, cornerback. I like him more as a running back. Um, getting to see him down at Future 50 in Florida, he was just absolutely amazing when it came to his speed and his stop-start ability. Um, he's just put together. He's a great kid, really smart kid, good student, all that stuff. But just you know, his highlight tape is ridiculous, which, look, man, if you're going to be ranked that high, it better be ridiculous. Um, but for me, for him, it was just seeing the speed in person was was just phenomenal. And so it really was the final step for him in that process. I mean, Nolan Rucci, you know, he's long, he's athletic, he's got a great frame that you can still add a bunch of weight to. He doesn't have bad weight. He can get into a college program and a strength coach can mold him the way they want to mold him. He moves really well, really good feet. Bends really well at the knees. Uh, I mean, to me, it was a, a no-brainer. And then the other one, Caleb Williams. I mean, shoot, Fitch, you and I, for how long have been saying that, you know, he should be really high up there? Um, you you can always get into the argument of, is he the number one quarterback? Is he the number two? And, you know, a lot of times that's just a matter of preference. You know, it's opinion, but it's also what you want in your quarterback. But he just does so many things well. He, he's a true, true dual threat. He's a great leader, great arm strength. You know, his size is there. He's poised. He's just everything that you want in a quarterback. And, it, and it's why you look at, you know, Penn State, Oklahoma, LSU, Clemson, all involved with him. It's just... He's the kind of kid that you can win a national championship with at a quarterback spot. And so when that's your starting point, um, the way the college game is and how it's dictated by athletic quarterbacks, it just makes complete sense. Brian, what's keeping Penn State from from landing that elite quarterback? This is our first side topic here. I think there's a lot of reasons to go into it personally. But in your mind, you know, Penn State has recruited the position fine, but fine's not going to get you to the college football playoff. It's not going to get you a national championship. What has kept them from from doing that? And where do you think that, uh, I guess, their best opportunity, what, what do you think their best opportunity is to to sort of move in that direction? Because, you know, Sean Clifford was a, a composite four-star. I think we had him as a three-star on 24-7. So right on that line, Will Levis was a three-star kid. Um, you know, you've got the the two freshmen, Roberson and Johnson, who were kind of on that board, you know, mixed opinions about them as well. But none of those real elite guys, of course, Justin Fields was committed for a while there. I mean, what what is what do you think is keeping Penn State from from having that uh, that that guy, the guy? Well, that, that is a great great question. Um, you know, I, I think 
when you look at the quarterback position, uh, the quarterbacks are going, for the most part, when you're talking about, you know, guys develop as a year goes, as their college career goes on. But, you know, it's a couple things. None of them are right in Penn State's backyard. So that's the first part, right? So, so it makes it a little difficult from that standpoint. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, Georgia or LSU or Bama or Ohio State has them in their backyard, but, you know, or, or Clemson, but they've had success at the quarterback position. And you've really seen a change in how quarterback recruiting has gone in the last three or four years. And, and what happens is you're seeing a bunch of guys go to established programs where, you know, in a lot of instances, you know, weather can be a factor, warmer weather. Kids want to go play in the SEC. They want to go play in the South. Now, Ohio State's the outlier in that, but you had the idea that you can go play for Urban Meyer there, which was always interesting. And then you get, you know, you've had some quarterback success, and then Dwayne Haskins goes there, and he's, uh, you know, Ryan Day is the one who really, elevated his game that's the guy who gets a lot of credit with Dwayne Haskins so now maybe they're able to recruit that next level quarterback to Ohio State and so I think it's a lot of that stuff and it's really a hard thing to break into if you look at what goes on quarterback wise now it's it's really just a difficult thing to break into to get that elite kid and there's not a ton of elite kids so it's not like you're sitting there where there's 15 a class. I mean, when you're talking about quarterbacks, you're talking about maybe five or six a class that are elite. And even a place like Georgia, where they're getting a lot of them, they transfer out. And so you just bring in the next kid. And it's, it's really, I wish I had a better answer because I can't really point to one thing. Um, but I, I just look at it and, I, and it's got to change if they want to get to that next step, in my opinion. Yeah, no doubt. And if you look at last year, I mean, Bryce Young went to Alabama. DJ uh, Ugalele went to Clemson. CJ Stroud went to Ohio State. I mean, those are the top three quarterbacks on in the 24-7 composite. And then from there, you've got two Texas kids going to Texas. You've got a South Carolina kid going to South Carolina, a Georgia, a Marietta, Georgia kid going to Tennessee, which isn't uh, terribly surprising, a West Coast kid going to, to uh, Washington, a Texas kid going to Texas A&M, and then another West Coast kid going to Oregon. So, you, yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of things going on. And then all of a sudden you've got a guy like Caleb Williams, which is kind of your backyard, not not completely, but uh, it, it's just really interesting that, that you know, that when it pops up, you got to capitalize on it. And so far, you know, as we mentioned so, so many times, Penn State's working from behind on that one. But it's just there's so many factors working against Penn State. And, and as you mentioned, it's so tough to break into that. I mean, really, look, looking back, you know, was Ohio State recruiting the top of the top uh, five-star, you know, uh, quarterbacks a couple of years ago? Maybe not so much, but they've played their way into being into that, and they've done that. A lot of that was Dwayne Haskins. A lot of that was Urban Meyer and Ryan Day. But they've they've played themselves into it. Clemson's played themselves into it. Alabama won national championships with, uh, you know, not mediocre, but average quarterback play. And then they've played their way into it. You know, Tua comes along and, and, and becomes all of a sudden uh, a spot for quarterbacks. So, you know, Penn State, to make, to take that next step, I mean, they've got to play their way into it. They had Trace McSorley for a while, and he put up really good numbers, but still, they haven't have not played their way into that level. No, and McSorley is interesting, because I was just thinking about him, is because he put up the huge numbers, if he had the prototypical NFL size, he would have left early 
And then it would have enhanced Penn State's ability to recruit that guy right behind him. Because the other thing we're talking about with these quarterbacks is a lot of them think they're coming in and playing right away. And if they don't play right away, they're moving on. And so you have McSorley, who if he would have left after his junior year, let's say, and now it's more marketable to go recruit that guy and, and just plug him into that offense. And then you have Joe Moorhead leave. And so that adds to it as well. And so now you kind of reset the recruiting a little bit more. Um, and especially with Penn State, I feel like the quarterback recruiting has fallen on the offensive coordinator a lot. And I don't see James Franklin as involved Um Actually, involved may not be the right way to put it, but he's not at the forefront that you hear at so many other positions of the recruitment. And so I think that plays into it as well. And I'm not saying that it's one or the other. I think all these things, you know, line up and it's it. And then there's not a lot of them out there. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, one place Penn State has recruited fairly well along the offensive line, and they've got an opportunity to do that in this class. We talked a little bit uh, about uh, Nolan Rucci before, but uh, some big bumps for Wyatt Millam, big bump for Tristan Lee. Now, I mean, I think Penn State's right in the thick of things for Millam. I think they were in a great, great spot for Lee. And then all of a sudden he blows up Clemson, LSU right there, uh, you know, have his attention right now. And then the drop for Landon Tangwall. And you mentioned, uh, you know, not everybody happy with these these sort of things, but we talked about in the first segment. I mean, you talk, you take a look at those three guys at top and you can say, all right, athletically, I mean, these guys fit the profile of what we're looking for for the NFL draft. Uh, Tangwall is a tremendous player. I think he's going to be a really good college player once again, um, but maybe just not at that top, top level that those other guys are. I mean, wh- where are we splitting hairs there? And w- what are your thoughts on on the, the break between those guys? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, they're top 100 kids. I mean, that's a really good, pl- really good spot to be. Yeah, it's kind of like the argument of saying that three stars aren't good players, right? So they're 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 really three stars are really good players. Lennon Tangwell checks in in the mid seventies, which is, I mean, that's incredible. You're that's you're elite, you're yeah. an elite player there, um, and a lot of times, it's not anything the player did wrong that makes them drop. It's just that you get a chance to see others, or maybe some others develop a little more. I mean, shoot, when we ranked. When we've truly ranked 2021 the last time, you know, guys like Tristan Lee were barely on the radar. And then they have big junior seasons. They develop a little bit more. They grow a little bit more. Length becomes um, better for for him. And you just see his development as a player on the field. And, you know, I, I've had, you know, I, I was texting with uh, – Isaiah Johnson, the the cornerback out of West Virginia, and he was asking, hey, why did I drop? And, you know, really nice and pleasant about it. And and I said, well, look, there's no junior tape review. He said, well, I had a broken ankle. I said, okay. I said, and, you know, when we see you again, I said, but, you know, it can change. I said, but at the end of the day, it's not that you did anything wrong. It's just that a lot more kids who maybe didn't play much as sophomores or, or really didn't, you know, flourish as a sophomore all of a sudden flourishes as a junior and and develops and whether it's weight training or just body maturity or or whatever or maybe they as a sophomore they didn't play much because the kid on their team the senior was playing that they really have a chance to elevate their game and and that happens and um it's unfortunate listen the 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 most difficult aspect of this job is explaining to kids why they dropped. And it's why um, it always bothers me when people say, 
well, gee, he got a Bama bump or he got a Penn State bump or, you know, he went to Maryland, so he dropped or he went to Rutgers and he dropped. And it's like, but for instance, not... hypothetically is what you're saying. Yes, yeah, I mean, say, yeah. yeah, never. <laughs> um, but it's like, well, wait a minute. It's easy to say that, but we deal with these kids and their parents every day. And so we then have to answer to them. So there's a checks and balances system on it that takes place behind the scenes that not a lot of, um, you know, our, our readers would know about, nor should they. But that's what bothers me so much about it when people say, well, he got this bump. Well, no, he didn't get the bump because that means we're disrespecting some other kid if we do stuff like that. And I refuse to do that because I'm going to see these kids in camps. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to go see Isaiah Johnson, Landon Tangler, or pick whoever else that you want who dropped. And I have to look them in the eye and I don't, you know, whether they agree with me or not, that's up to them. I don't, you know, they have every right to disagree. I actually had a kid hit me up and say, Hey, thanks for the rankings. I didn't think I'd go up that high. Um, and so it does work that way too, but you have to look at these kids in the face and in the eyes and explain this stuff to them. And I think that's the tough part. And I never want some 17 year old or 16 year old kid going into high school. And then all his friends are like, Hey, what happened to you? Why'd you drop so much? That, that is not a comfortable part of this job. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about it. It's, it and it's also interesting to deal with, uh, you know, the fallout of it. And, and we'll see if if it impacts the, the, the job that we can do. So um, so we and I think it's it's interesting because it's late February. These guys aren't going to sign for 10 more months or, or whatever. And we're going to see them a lot more. And maybe we miss something. Maybe they, you know, they miss something. And, and on top of that, the offers are so out of control right now that you're looking at dropping a kid and then then your automatic argument as well Alabama offered him or Clemson you know maybe not Clemson Clemson's kind of an outlier in that situation where Penn State offered him or you know he has a Notre Dame offer or something like that and then I mean how many I mean it's it's been so saturated with uh, I mean really the market's been so saturated with these fake offers that all of a sudden everybody has these offers so now you know it's uh you've got 250 guys with an Alabama offer you got 247 guys in our rankings so it's it's been interesting to follow that 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 sort of fallback for the argument and everything or or this kid you know this kid has better offers than than this kid well that doesn't necessarily mean he's a better prospect or we see him as a better prospect yeah I mean you know I I don't look at them as fake offers because the coaches are telling the kids they have offers so whatever so I don't want to I don't want to say that they're fake but a lot of them are meaningless I mean, I had a kid hit me up and say, hey, I got an offer from school X. I said, oh, really? I said, okay, good. Good to know. I said, what'd they say? He said, well, they said that, you know, as long as I come to camp and I perform well, the offer stands. So you got a camp invite. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So they told you to come to camp. I mean, that's what, that's what I always tell kids is like, okay, if you have an offer, ask them if you can commit. And then if you say, if they say yes, then, then, you know, it's a real offer. Um, and it's difficult, but you know, a lot of it, this is the way I look at it. If you're Penn state and you put out an offer in Pennsylvania, it, it better be legit. If you're Pitt and you put out an offer in Western PA, it better be legit. If you're Maryland putting it out in the DMV, legit Virginia tech in Virginia, legit. Now these schools can go to Texas and throw out all the offers they want. 
because they're not going to spend a lot of time at those schools. The coaches aren't going to be there. It's just different. And that goes across the whole country like that. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just, uh, I remember when kids used to get offered before the Twitter days, they would text you, Hey, got an offer. Can you update? And, and you couldn't wait to run to a message board. Hey, this guy got an offer. Here's what's going on with them. Now, you really that's I think that's where we come in as filters on when we decide to put stuff out on who got offered because it's our job to be able to sift through the realistic stuff and the and the other stuff. No doubt. I remember writing stories just as soon as kids got offered in in, in like, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, something like that. And now all of a sudden, you you know, it pops up on the filter and you're like, okay, well, there's another one, you know, maybe post it in the thread or something like that. It's pretty, it's been crazy to follow. Now we have camp season coming up. Is there anybody in that group, uh, whether they were bumped in this uh, set of rankings or, you know, we're going to come up on, on a new set of rankings probably after the camp season that you're looking forward to seeing that you maybe think can make that leap? Yeah. I mean, first of all, you're, I mean, I have to say this is a disclaimer. You're you're always looking at everybody because you're you're constantly evaluating. But yeah, I mean, I, I want to see what happens with like Jeffrey Davis and get you know his his time. You know, the cornerback out of Connecticut, his hundred meter time is eleven four. There's talk that he runs sub eleven now, but it, it nothing documented on it. So you want to see him and how he moves. Um, I want to see, I really want to see Logan Taylor out of Episcopal down in Virginia, who is, you know, has that Penn State offer, um, the offensive tackle, who's just big and long and athletic, uh, you know, and, and you just go down the list of, there, there's a ton that you want to see, but those are, you're, you're kind of looking for the guys who you've projected a little bit, um, or you don't know enough about them yet to really take that leap to to increase their ranking. Um, you know, I, I look at a kid from New England, Bennett Pitcher, who plays tight end. Now I'm hearing that he's warming to the idea of playing offensive tackle. He's six eight, six nine, moves really well on the basketball court. Missed much of his junior year with an uh, injury. Um, I want to see him, whether I go up to his school or whether I see him in a camp setting, you know, I, I want to see him. And then I, I want to see, I'll tell you what, one kid I, I really want to see live is the Lonnie White kid, the quarterback at Malvern Prep. He's committed to Clemson for baseball and, you know, he's got some nice offers. He, you know, Penn State is not offered and we understand why between Caleb Williams and Christian Velo out of the Bullis school, um, you would figure Penn State will wind up with one of them. But yeah, guys like that. And, and I do want to see Christian Velo, um, you know, kid out of Canada who's at the Bullis school who is really high on Penn State because I, I just want to see his junior film really impressed me. I want to go see his arm strength. I, I want to see how he moves around just in camp settings, you know, does he look free and easy? So, and Kate, and I'll, I should mention also Kate and Prather who, you know, you and I had spoken on the phone about, about where he's ranked and, and we really like a ton of his measurables. We, we like how he's performed in person when we've seen him, uh, you watch his tape and I, I felt like he, he fights the ball a little bit. I spoke with his coach and his coach said, yeah, he, he had some of that, but he really got a lot better with it and he doesn't think that's an issue anymore. So I want to see, does he take that next step and, and jump from maybe a 90 to a kid who could be like a 92 or a 93. You put out a Penn state crystal ball pick this week. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, he's a cornerback Dejon Warren out of Lackawanna. 
um, originally from Maryland, had, you know, he was ineligible. And it's not because he didn't do things well academically or he's not a bright kid because he's a smart kid. And you can tell just from speaking with him. But some family stuff caused him to move around and really cost him his eligibility as a senior. So he didn't get recruited. But he's a Maryland kid. And, yeah, he's picked up some offers, including Oklahoma, after that crystal ball pick. But um, he's got friends on the team at Penn State. He loves what they do in the secondary. He's been to campus, and he feels the love from the coaching staff. They want him. He goes to Lackawanna, which, you know, Penn State has done really well. When Penn State wants a kid from Lackawanna, usually they get him, at least under James Franklin. And so when you put all those things together and then talking to a few sources, um, I, I just think that that's what he wants to do. And then also I don't get the sense that uh, his family is going to be able to travel a lot to see him play. And so staying semi close to home at Penn state and being able to compete at a really high level will allow you know, really benefits Penn State as well. And and I think all those things factor together that it just makes complete sense for him to wind up there. And naturally, we're going to lump those guys all together. But, yeah, I mean, you saw Risker, uh, Jair Brown, Norval Black. I, I personally would slot, you know, uh, Warren up in that, uh, that, top, that top spot along with Brisker, uh, you yeah. know, above those other two guys from last year. This kid's a really good player. A really good player, really athletic, long, breaks on the ball, had a bunch of picks. Lackawanna went to the national championship game. So you know on the junior college level he played at a high level. He really active, is not afraid to hit, can be physical, and he's got a you know, he, he's got a different maturity to him um than even a lot of the other JUCO kids. He's he doesn't make excuses for his situation and Look, he's going to enjoy the recruitment because he didn't go through it in high school at all. But um, he is really a a high-level kid who we're going to get an honest ranking put on him in the next week or so, I think. Yep, I agree. All right, Doan, I know I got you started thinking about lunch with the wing talk, but we appreciate you uh, stepping out and taking a few minutes for us, as you do so often on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Of course, you can follow him, Brian Doan247, on Twitter. And, of course, he's always around our message board, so if you have a question for him, leave it there, and he usually will get to it. But uh, thanks for joining us uh, on a Friday morning. Hey, I appreciate it, and thanks for making that post-game adjustment and actually having me on first. You know, you weren't good with the in-game adjustments by having me on second last time, so thank you. Well, I'm glad I'm glad we could work it out, but thanks for, <laughs> thanks for coming on, Don. I see you. Thanks to Brian Doan, as always, for providing his insight. You know it won't be long until we get him back here on the show again. Good stuff from him and Sean. Um, a bunch of new offers to get to. As I said, it's the dead period, but Penn State staying active with their evaluation. and uh, One to get through really quick back on Sunday, another running back on the 2021 board. We talked about Travion Henderson, Evan Pryor, two Penn State targets in the top 100 of those rankings. Another one to add here. He's in three-star territory right now, but he's seen things begin to roll with the momentum down in Alabama. Jalen White first Big Ten offer comes from Penn State on Sunday again he'll be a senior in the fall this is not a a young guy and so for the first Big Ten offer to come at this stage tells you a little bit about where he is in that process Monday was really interesting though Sean and you wrote up on this six former South Carolina defensive line targets and of course new Penn State defensive line coach Scott was at South Carolina only two weeks ago 
Major moves there. Keyshawn Silver is the headliner because he's at number 33 in these new rankings. But very clearly, he brought some names to the table. James Franklin, other members of the staff, got a peek at them, got to evaluate a little bit more. They like what they saw. And, and all of a sudden, that, that defensive line board expands in a significant way. Yeah, it was it was big time on Monday. I mean, it was just kept popping up all over the place, and it's building off of those relationships he's got. Uh, Keyshawn Silver, really, really good prospect um, out of North Carolina, made that jump. Uh, Under Armour All-American, so it's not like he is a diamond in the rough or anything, but a lot of these guys... Um, it, it, they sort of run the gamut from from really good, uh, or excuse, not really good, but you know, substantial offer list to you know diamonds in the rough type. And you've got uh, Justice Boone, a guy from South Carolina, number two prospect in South Carolina, which is interesting because South Carolina very down this year. We talked uh, you know at, at length in the last couple of years about Pennsylvania being down. Well, Justice Boone is a three star prospect, and he's still the number two player in South Carolina. He was the same composite score at that point as I think Keyshawn Silver or a couple of these guys uh, in North Carolina, the same level because you know it's still very early. And I think I think it was the number two player in South Carolina and the number eighteen player in North Carolina. So it shows the disparity between North Carolina and South Carolina in this uh, in this cycle. Uh, Trevally Price, defensive end from uh, North Lincoln High School in Lincolnton, uh, another guy that South Carolina had offered. Um, I, it was uh, it's just a, a bunch of guys that. And, and you knew this was going to happen. This happens uh, at every coaching change. A bunch of guys that he had those prior relationships with. Nick Barrett is a guy 6'4", 320 uh, out of North Carolina that he had a really good relationship with. That's a guy that was at the uh, the, the junior day when ba- basically when John Scott had one foot out the door, which you, know, you don't want to make it sound like that, but he was at the junior day at South Carolina, and then all of a sudden Scott leaves a couple of days later. But still, you've got these guys, and I think Barrett's probably an example of a guy that um, – you know, that Scott had built a relationship with, you know, he wasn't the point recruiter on guys like Jordan Birch. He wasn't the point recruiter on some of these other guys that South Carolina landed, but there was a couple of guys that he cultivated really very good relationships with. Barrett was one of them. Uh, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins out of South Carolina was another one of those. So there's a couple of guys that I wouldn't be shocked to see uh, eventually pop up on, on campus because of their relationship with John Scott. And then finally, Marlon Dean, uh, a kid out of Georgia. I think he kind of sits in a different pool than, than these Carolina guys, not only because he's from Georgia, but because everybody's jumping on this kid, he's he's really just making. Uh, he's one of those guys that by the end of the spring, he's going to have offers from everybody if they do, if they don't uh, or if he doesn't have them or he hasn't committed to somewhere like Georgia by by that point. He's going to quickly go from a kid who does not currently have a twenty four seven sports profile picture to a kid where a lot of folks are going to know his name uh, and his face. So it, it, it's funny how that happens over the course when, of your when you're six year. six two sixty five <laughs> and you can move. Uh, you know, I think that's probably something that that's bound to happen absolutely um we spoke a lot at the top of the show about the 2021 offensive line potential a new offer out the second since phil troutwine arrived to a 2022 offensive line prospect this one goes in big 10 territory joe brunner up in wisconsin no surprise here the badgers are all over him iowa was the first team to offer him he's got a bunch of big 10 offers already just to name the stash away he is the top ranked overall offensive tackle as of now in 24 7 sports early 2022 rankings and also no surprise here 
Three offers go out in Florida over the span of about 24 hours, Tuesday into Wednesday. Two of them in the 2021 class. Touched on one of them uh, before the Brian Doan interview with Christian Leary, wide receiver who, who made the jump to the top 24-7 status. He's, uh, I think, a top 35 wide receiver. Penn State gets in on him. They go in on three-star cornerback Davion Sistrunk. Sistrunk's interesting. He's a basketball standout. I believe last year was his first full-time year playing football at this level. Really excelled. Uh, a long six-foot-two cornerback. So someone that maybe Penn State's going to look to get on campus as you can with these Florida kids. Uh, And by the way, we've seen it in the past. We've mentioned it several times. Sometimes all it takes is one weekend on an official visit to sell those South Florida kids. And then you continue to cultivate the relationship by sending your staff down there, maintaining communication over the course of the cycle, see where it goes. And then long-term 2023 wide receiver Nathaniel Joseph, just his third power five offer, his first out of the Big Ten, comes from Penn State. Uh, He's a 5'10 wide receiver down at Miami Edison High School. He spent last year at Miami Christian. And all of a sudden, the high school freshman class, 2023, I know it's a long way away. Penn State's almost offered 20 of them at this stage. So we'll keep tabs moving ahead. Speaking of Florida, Sean, composite four-star cornerback Omarion Cooper reached out to our very brand new Bud Elliott uh, to talk about Penn State being one of the teams that he's uh, pretty high on right now. He has changed the status of interest to warm uh, on the 24-7 sports profile along with Tennessee, Louisville, and Florida State. He got an offer from the Nittany Lions in late January. He is a composite four-star, top 250 prospect. He's lower on the totem pole when you look at 24-7 sports specific rankings, but a kid who is obviously reciprocating that early interest from Penn State. Yeah, that's um, an interesting position because you're probably going to take two corners in this class. Um, you know that Grimes is there. Uh, Hancock is going to be a, t- a tough sell. You've got some guys in the region that you offered early but maybe aren't pressing for right now. There's a lot of talent in that corner board um, all over the place. Michigan is another spot where they've got some uh, some lines in the water at corner. So uh, not sure where that's going to come from. But again, I think it's going to be I think they're going to be OK at corner because they're going to find uh, the profile that they like. An interesting uh, group of four there, Louis. Tennessee, Florida State, and Penn State. I mean, I, I, I can't really put them together. I'm not sure I've seen them <laughs> lump together before. So be interesting to see uh, if he pops up on a spring official visit because, as you mentioned, with these Florida kids, you know, sometimes it all, all it takes is one. Um, so it's, uh, it, it's definitely more work for Cider. I mean, <laughs> you mentioned Nathaniel Joseph, 2023 receiver. So he's had a freshman season in right now. You're not doing it just on freshman tape, and sometimes it jumps off, and it's it's crazy. A lot of that's based on relationships. A lot of that's talking to the people that he knows down there. And once again, Jay Wansider with the, the stamp of approval from Uncle, Uncle Luke. Uh, excuse me, the stamp of approval from Uncle Luke, which means so much down there uh, for those prospects and for those coaches in that area. If you're going to ever apply the trust the process uh, phrase to recruiting for Penn State, it's when Jay Wan Sider lands, uh, lands on a runway somewhere in Florida, gets off that plane and goes to work, let him go about his business, see where it takes Penn State. This is going to be a short-lived note ultimately, Sean, but there was a bit of buzzy news coming out of uh, Penn State's athletic department this week. And uh, because, you know, all due respect to the great programs they have in lacrosse and wrestling and women's volleyball and I don't want to leave any ice hockey but the two marquee sports in college football uh, college sports are men's ba- men's basketball and football uh, those are the ones you're going to find on television every single night that, that they're on and 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 that's the the big revenue creator so 
With that in mind, Penn State is one of four programs across the country that has produced during the 2019-2020 school year a top 10 football ranking in final AP poll and then a top 10 basketball ranking in the, during this winter. So Penn State at number nine, they end up losing at home to Illinois on Tuesday. They're going to get the boot from the top 10. But the Florida Gators were one of those four teams. That was based on preseason basketball polls. They lost the first week. They are not even ranked anymore. Ohio State, Oregon are the other two that have duplicated that feat. And I just, certainly, I think you said this on Twitter when I, when I tweeted out the story. Uh, oh, just totally the 2020 headline you anticipated here in February. Naturally. I mean, that's uh, it, it's been fun to watch them and it, it's been equally as intriguing to follow the fan base because this is a, a fire Pat Chambers thread, you know, to start the season. And then all of a sudden you lose at Illinois at home and it's like, OK, fire him for a different reason. He's not supposed to lose anymore. So uh, it's really funny to watch. I watched that game with Illinois. Um, it was very very interesting, uh, especially to me as, as a former player watching Pat Chambers out there with a microphone on. I think that's not <laughs> Pat. I've spent time around Pat. I can tell you that's not Pat. Um, you know, it's not that he's putting on a show, but very, very aware of what he was doing. And I think the whole team sort of fed into that and, and responded the way that you would expect a, a team that's, you know, needs motivated somehow. I mean, let's face it, Pat, Pat Chambers is not it does not have the cleanest mouth in the world and that's fine i mean it's it it's part of college athletics now it's part of coaching now and i know some people don't do that some people do that it's about effective leadership and you know i think he changed the way that he coached that game and and the team sort of fed into it and the team sort of responded in that way so it was just very interesting to see and, and now it's all about the bounce back, how they deal uh, with this weekend and how they move forward because they're still locked to make the tournament. They're still going to you know, get a pretty good seed, uh, maybe not quite as high as you thought maybe a week ago. But uh, hey, it's uh, late February and we're talking about Penn State being a lock for the NCAA tournament. So, I mean, you're going to lose games uh, leading up to now. Duke got blown out by NC State the other night. It's one of those things that's going to happen. You're not going to win every game. Uh you want to win every game at the end of the season. You don't need to win every game in February. I know some of our listeners have been clamoring for a little more basketball conversation on here. Uh, Mark Brennan is our beat reporter for hoops, uh, and he does a great job, I would say, better than anybody on the beat at covering Penn State basketball. Uh, we'll get him on the show as we get closer to the Big Ten tournament. He's going to be covering that. He will. He, I know he's super excited to, to get out to whatever NCAA tournament destination Penn State ends up at. So uh, there's full disclosure there. So so you just don't think we're putting it on the back burner. We want to go to Mark Brennan. We'll tap into his knowledge because he has followed this team and throughout the Pat Chambers tenure very closely. Uh, and we'll get some insight from him coming up. Really quickly, speaking about rankings, ESPN put out their way too early 2020 rankings. Sean, again, we are just a few weeks away from spring practice. Uh, a lot more, a lot more to learn in the next six months before teams actually kick off but Penn State sitting at number five it just gives you kind of an insight on where the perception is around this program right now yeah I mean it's uh it's something you need in the offseason because we're talking about a team that's or excuse me a staff that's sort of overhauling where it's at for new coaches obviously and it's going to take some time for them to to recapture some of that momentum and you're coming off an 11 win season so you're better off than you were a year ago but still you have to figure out those relationships and you're bringing guys in that maybe don't have connections to the area like a Taylor Stubberfield or a John Scott Jr. or something like that and it's going to take some time so you're going to need all this uh, positive uh, positive perception uh, all that kind of stuff um, you're going to need that in the offseason it's going to carry you for a little bit and it's got to sort of reinforce where you stand as a program because right now 
having not made the playoff yet, you're still in that uh, in that spectrum as a next tier program below the Clemson, the Ohio State, the Alabamas, all those schools that uh, Oklahoma that's, that are consistently making a bigger push for that playoff. And you're not going to play a game for another uh, eight months or whatever. So you got to work through that. You need all the positive press you can get in the offseason. Uh, preseason rankings are meaningless, but at the same time, it can really go a long way into helping your program into projecting what you expect it to be. And that's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a long time till the first game. There's going to be a lot of players committed before September. So you need any, you need to work any sort of angle that you can. And number five in ESPN is a good start. Yeah. It doesn't hurt on the recruiting trail for sure. Uh, we talked a lot about recruiting today. We'll continue to do that on lines 24 seven podcast moving forward. Also getting to more football conversations about this player personnel, the development there as Penn state gets ready to hit the practice fields again in just a few weeks for now, we're going to step away. Thanks again to Brian Doan for joining us on behalf of Sean Fitz. I'm Tyler Donahue. This is the lines 24 seven podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.